In some cases, slow or stalled labors, which can occur with epidural use, could result in unplanned C-sections because other more significant complications arise wherein it's important to get baby out. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Teen. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, we're going to talk all about birthing without an epidural and answer a question I get all the time. How do I have a natural birth? And while there is no secret formula, I definitely have some insight into what you can do to set yourself up for success because I go over this in the episode, but did you know that an estimated 71% of births in the U.S. use an epidurals and some hospitals even cite stats of over 90% of births involving epidural use. Yet, other polls and surveys of pregnant women across the U.S. show that over 80% of mamas hope to birth without an epidural. So what gives? Why, like, are there so many people who don't want epidurals, but there is so much epidural use? Now, Let me be the first one to say that there is nothing, 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 nothing wrong with epidurals or C-sections for that matter. Both are incredible labor interventions and totally fine with me, okay, (laughs) as far as we're concerned. And I see women have amazing positive birth experiences that involve epidurals and C-sections all the time. I'm about to go into work later today, and I'm sure I will see it while I'm there. (laughs) But in today's episode, I hope to help you learn about the benefits of birthing without an epidural and learn what you can do to have a natural birth if that's what you want to do. So let's jump right in. Interested in the possibility of an unmedicated birth? Make sure to grab my totally free natural birth prep pack. It's full of free printable resources to help you start preparing for your even better birth. Inside the pack, you'll get access to our super popular hospital bag checklist so that you know your hospital bag is stocked with everything you need for the big day, traditional and visual birth plan templates to help you think through all the questions related to your birth, and gain the sense of control that you deserve. Exclusive MLN birth affirmation cards, one of my favorite ways to tap into that mental strength during a natural birth, especially during natural birth. And finally, a third trimester to-do list to feel completely at ease heading into labor, knowing you've checked every box. To grab all of this for free, simply head over to mommylabornurse.com slash natural pack. That's mommylabornurse.com slash natural pack to access your free natural birth prep pack today. Today, we are going to talk all about birthing without an epidural and answer the question, how do you have a natural birth? And we're going to get into the word natural too. Don't worry. I understand the heaviness behind the word natural. Okay. I promise I'm going to talk about it. So 
Did you know that an estimated 71% of births in the U.S. use epidurals? And some hospitals cite stats of over 90% of births involving epidural use. And there is nothing wrong with epidurals. They're cool. But if you want to try and birth without one, you know, let's talk about it. But if you want to try and birth without one, it is my hope that by the end of listening to this podcast episode, I can help you learn about the benefits of birthing without an epidural and what you can actually do to achieve that desire. Okay. So I told you I was going to talk about the word natural. So what is a quote unquote natural birth? So Natural birth, I mean, this isn't, you know, from (laughs) dictionary.com, but in general, natural birth is a term that is widely accepted to mean giving birth without an epidural. Some people interchange the word natural and unmedicated. Some people even interchange the word natural and vaginal as opposed to having a C-section. So they'll say, I had a natural birth, and they just mean I had a vaginal birth regardless of if, you know, I got an epidural or I did this, that, and the other. And the problem with that is someone who's had a C-section may feel like that their C-section wasn't even birth. I also know that some epidural mamas take issues with the term natural meaning without an epidural because of the argument that all birth is natural. And I hear that and I acknowledge that. But I also know that by and large, our society accepts natural to mean without an epidural. Labeling your birth is something that only you get to do, right? And I challenge you not to let labels like the word natural that other people use to find your experience and your beliefs. I do believe that the term natural birth is becoming outdated and I much prefer the term birthing without an epidural to describe this sort of birth experience that I'm gonna be talking about today. And here at Mommy Labor Nurse, we firmly believe that all types of birth are beautiful, right? And that there is no one right way to give birth. At the end of the day, you and your baby's safety are always most important, and there is no one-size-fits-all approach to birth. Mommy Labor Nurse empowers mamas just like you to have the tools that they need to attempt the birth that they desire, but we're thoughtful in our approach and education so that no mama is set up for disappointment or feels like a failure if something unexpected occurs, because we don't want that to happen. I know what it feels like to be a failure, and it just doesn't feel good. So that is really, honestly, one of my number one goals behind my birth courses and just my whole platform is I want to eliminate that whole feeling of coming away from your birth and feeling like there was something wrong with you or you felt like, oh, I had a C-section and I'm a failure because of it. Or, oh, I was planning on going, you know, without an epidural and I got an epidural and I was a failure because of it. No, ma'am. No. Okay. So with all of that being said, let's move on now to learn more about birthing without epidurals. Okay. We're going to talk about benefits first. Okay. So if birthing without an epidural is something that you're interested in, I was thinking, you know, first learning about the benefits is kind of a really good place to start. Getting mentally pumped up and choosing a why behind your motivation to birth without the use of an epidural can be very powerful for your mental preparation, right? So I have 10 benefits here. Number one, your labor might be shorter, especially the second stage or the pushing phase. Epidural use can lengthen the time spent pushing. It is evidence-based. There have been studies that have said, hey, if you have an epidural, you are more likely to push a little bit longer. And that makes sense because bedsides, we see moms who have epidurals and takes them a little bit sometimes to kind of get 
used to pushing because when you have an epidural, sometimes it's just, it's really, really hard to push because you're numb down there and it just, it doesn't feel instinctual. Even though you might be feeling pressure, it's just hard. And I haven't had an epidural personally, so I can't speak from personal experience, but this is just what I've seen at the bedside that sometimes it just kind of takes a few pushes, you know, a little bit of time to really get the hang of it. Next benefit, you may avoid a stalled labor. So some research also suggests that epidurals slow the progress of your labor, leading to the use of Pitocin to try to move it along. And in some cases, a stalled labor can even make you know, having a C-section necessary. Number three, you might avoid the cascade of interventions. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) And I talk about this cascade of interventions, which is not studied and it's not evidence-based, but it's something, again, that we see at the bedside. I talk about this in my birth courses a whole lot. So this cascade of interventions can possibly lead to C-sections or getting an epidural. And this is because medical interventions can sometimes interfere with your body's natural response to labor and birth. Basically, the cascade of interventions is like the first intervention is you getting induced. And all of these things I'm about to talk about are not like quote unquote bad. I'm not saying don't get induced or don't you know do this, that, and the other. I'm just trying to explain exactly what the cascade of interventions, this phenomenon that people talk about is. So let's say the first intervention, medical intervention, is that you are getting induced with Pitocin. And if you're getting induced with Pitocin, you might have stronger contractions, more erratic contractions. And And that might cause you to want an epidural sooner than maybe you would have wanted one if you hadn't been induced. So let's say you get an epidural and we give you a lot of fluid, you know, because when we give you an epidural, we have to dose you up with a bunch of fluid. And sometimes a bunch of fluid can space out your contractions. We're looking at, you know, the monitor and we're saying, oh, your contractions are kind of spaced out. Provider says, oh, you know what? Let's do another intervention. Let's break your water. So now Pitocin, okay, we've gotten an epidural and breaking the water. And now because we've broken the water, maybe your baby's, you know, coming down and they're having these heart rate changes and we're like, oh, you're having heart rate changes. We got to do some more interventions, you know, flip to one side, give you an amnion infusion to, you know, help baby out. And then maybe we give you that amnion infusion, which is basically this catheter that we put inside your cervix to give you more fluid. So it's another thing inside. So maybe that increases your risk of an infection. Then you start to get a fever and... We give you medication to help your fever, but then you need to stay section. You can just see how like one thing can possibly lead to another, which can possibly lead to another, which can possibly lead to another. And again, none of these things that I'm saying are quote unquote bad. Okay. I'm just trying to give sort of an example of how one thing sometimes can lead to another. There are plenty of moms that I take care of that they get induced and they happily give birth without epidurals and there's no cascade of interventions. But sometimes when we talk about this, it kind of makes sense to draw out a possible cascade, if that makes sense. So back to benefits. Next benefit, your recovery time will probably be faster after having a birth without an epidural, especially versus a C-section, which involves recovery from abdominal surgery. But the fact that you don't have to wait for your legs to denumb is a really huge perk. You can just get up and move around almost immediately after you give birth, you know, as long as your vital signs are stable. And just in general, you just, most people just feel a little bit better 
Like you don't have to wait for your legs to wake up. It's just your recovery time's just a little bit quicker. Next benefit, you may experience less postpartum swelling. And most mamas who give birth without an epidural report a little bit less postpartum swelling because with epidurals, again, I talked about this a little bit, but we have to give you fluids before you get your epidural. And sometimes even you have to give you fluids afterwards if your blood pressure is kind of out of whack. So there's just a lot of extra fluid, you know, so you can have this extra swelling. So that's definitely a benefit. You probably won't be as swollen as you would be if you got an epidural. Another benefit, it does lower your risk of vaginal tears. So epidural use is associated with an increased risk of severe perineal tears, although the overall risk for severe perineal tears is very low in general, about I think three to 4%, but it's slightly lower for moms who give birth without epidurals. Another benefit, it lowers your risk for fever and low blood pressure during labor. A 2018 Cochrane review found that people with epidurals were more likely to experience low blood pressure and fever during labor. Another one is that avoiding an epidural may possibly lower your risk of an unplanned C-section. Now we've talked about this on the podcast a little bit. I've talked about this on my platform, but in some cases, slow or stalled labors, which can occur with epidural use, could result in unplanned C-sections because other more significant complications arise wherein it's important to get baby out. Stat. We want that baby out. (laughs) The research is mixed on whether epidural use results in higher instances of C-sections. Okay, it's a big debate, but it's just something to be aware of that this might be a benefit. And then the final benefit is, again, this is very anecdotal, but you might get an intense high, okay? (laughs) And what I mean by that is, let me paint the picture for you. So if you have an epidural, you are still going to have a baby and just be in awe of this little baby that you just pushed out of you and be like on top of the world. But what I've seen with moms who don't have epidurals, it's like they go from extreme, extreme pain, pushing their baby out no anesthesia. And then their baby's here and it's like extreme, extreme joy. And it's that huge shift sometimes that makes you, it just, your dopamine levels are like, and it's this big drastic change that gives you this crazy intense adrenaline rush. And again, you can definitely still have this if you get an epidural. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just speaking from experience and kind of seeing one group versus the other that you're more likely to get that huge rush. So let's move on. So let's talk about how to have a natural slash birthing without an epidural birth. So now that you've learned some of the benefits, I thought I would go through some of the steps that I see are most effective towards having a natural birth. Number one, what do you think I'm going to say? Prepare. So many second time moms who connect with me say that they wanted to birth without an epidural the first time, but they didn't prepare and they wound up with an epidural. Again, that's not bad. Okay. Epidurals are great and wonderful things, but if you are planning to birth without one and then you get one, you're still not meeting your you know, wishes. Okay. So then the second time around, they take the time to get educated and prepared and they have their natural birth. For many, simply wanting a natural birth isn't quite enough and having the right education and preparation in place really is key. And going along with preparing, it's also important to get the right support. That's a critical, critical factor. So 
Find out what the intervention rates and epidural use rates are in your hospital. A lot of people don't realize that that's actually really important. You can ask your provider their stance on epidurals. Consider switching to a provider that will support your wish to try and birth without an epidural if you don't get a good vibe from your provider. Because here's the thing. If you are the kind of person that's like, hey, I'm really interested in birthing without an epidural, but you are at a practice where they have crazy, crazy high epidural rates and C-section rates, you might not be at the right place to get that right support. So it's always worth kind of just investigating and looking at the clear picture yourself to make sure you're at the right practice and at the right hospital too. If you are low risk, consider using a certified nurse midwife, if you have one in your area, who delivers at your hospital. Some studies do show that simply planning for a natural birth with a midwife reduces your risk of C-section. And the stat that I have here is from 30% to 5%. But of course, that data should be taken with a grain of salt because only low risk moms can deliver with a midwife to begin with. But still, it's definitely worth looking into if midwifery care could be a good fit for you. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, I just wanted to thank you and your team. I purchased your natural course for my second baby that was born on July 3rd. I am so happy to say I was able to deliver without an epidural and on my own terms with guidance from the doctors and nurses. But more than that, I feel like I was able to take back some of the power I felt that was taken from me with my my first birth. Oh. We had a few complications, but not anything that wasn't covered in your course. And while I did get overwhelmed at one point, I was able to go back through everything and calm down. I used so many of the tips and tricks to work through my contractions. One of the biggest was during pushing. I needed to relax my pelvis and I remember yelling, I have to relax my jaw. Good girl. That's right. And that's what I focused on. And he came out in three pushes. It was the most incredible experience of my life. And I felt so powerful and raw. Oh, I love that. I love the word raw. It's so raw. <laughs> Thank you for providing such a great tool. So much of giving birth without an epidural really, really is a mind game. And I talk about this a lot in my birth courses. Stay committed to your wishes and learn the right skills to cope with the pain of childbirth mentally. Your number one tool for handling the pain during your natural birth is going to be your brain. Mental willpower, mentally trusting your body's innate ability to birth and mentally coping with the pain. So with all that said, let's go over some mental tips for coping with the pain. These are directly from my birth courses, and I'm going to go over a few, but I have tons more, you know, within my courses. So number one, what I tell people to do is remind yourself that you can do anything for 10 seconds, okay, which is how long the peak of your contraction will likely be. Whenever I share this tip, I always think of the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Have you guys seen that show? It's on Netflix. It's with a girl, Ellie. I forget what her last name is, but she's from The Office. And remember at the end of the first season, she had her arm in the crank or something. And they, I forget if she was, see, now I'm going to sound like I don't know anything, but I just remember she had her arm in this crank sort of machine and she kept telling herself, 
you can do anything for 10 seconds. And she would do it for 10 seconds. And then she would say it again. You can do anything for 10 seconds. She would do it again. So whenever I share this, sometimes I even on the feed, I will get comments saying like, oh, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And yeah, she definitely uses this tip when she's talking about cranking (laughs) her arm or whatever that scene was about. But going back to labor, this is a really, really helpful mental tip because if you think about your contraction and how long your contraction lasts, okay, it's generally 60 to 90 seconds, sometimes up to 120 seconds, but your contraction goes up. It's like a hill that goes up and then it kind of peaks and then it comes down. So that peak really is the hardest part of the contraction for most people. So you're still gonna have to get through the whole contraction, right? But that peak is gonna be the hardest part. So if you can remind yourself, okay, you know what? I know this contraction is gonna last quite a bit, a minute, minute and a half, but the hardest part, I only have to deal with it for 10 to 20 seconds. I can do this. People like that one. So next tip, focus on those little breaks that you get in between contraction because you do get breaks even when it gets really intense. I promise. (laughs) Sometimes even with Pitocin, you feel like you don't get any breaks at all and they're just coming, 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 but you do get small little breaks. That's why labor was designed, I think, the way that it is to give you breaks because if it was just continuous pain the entire time, it would be impossible. So what I tell people is instead of focusing on these contractions, like focus on those little breaks that you get. Embrace yourself in those little breaks that you get. Really soak them in (laughs) because you need them to get through that next contraction. And then finally, the last mental tip that I'm going to share is try not to focus on how many centimeters you are, that number, okay, or how many hours that you've been in labor. I've given a tip before to cover the clock in your labor room, like with a towel or, you know, whatever, but try not to think about time. Instead, focus on each contraction, being productive and bringing you closer to baby. Really, at the end of the day, each contraction you have is one contraction closer to meeting your baby and one contraction that you've now gotten rid of (laughs) and you're now closer and you have less that you have to get through to get towards the end. So try not to get hung up on the fact that you're quote unquote, I'm only four centimeters, I'm only six centimeters and I've been this forever or, oh my God, I've been in labor for 20 hours now and blah. Just take it one at a time. Focus on just getting through each contraction as they come. And once they come and they're done, say, woohoo, that's one less that I now have to deal with. Let's talk about some physical pain coping strategies, okay? These are also important. Water is one of the most powerful pain relievers during labor. Hydrotherapy showers and labor tubs are excellent places to labor. I did both with both of my labors. Another good one is having someone perform counter pressure by squeezing your hips together while, you know, you're usually kind of bent over the bed or like on all fours. Sometimes counter pressure can also be done like right in the square lower point of your back, but counter pressure does feel pretty good, especially if you're having back labor, which that's a whole other podcast episode. Another great pain coping strategy is to keep your mouth open and relaxed and your jaw really, really relaxed because a relaxed mouth and jaw correlates to a relaxed vagina, if you can even believe that. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before in different episodes, but 
it's a really, really weird connection that your body makes where if you're tensing your jaw, like it's hard to relax your vagina. Try it. It's really strange. So yeah, keeping your mouth open and not just keeping that jaw nice and relaxed and those lips nice and relaxed. I've seen a lot of people do the, I'm trying not to do it in the mic, but the horse lips. That's a really good way to keep your mouth nice and relaxed. Okay. While we're talking about horse lips, it's okay to get loud. Okay. That's the last physical pain coping strategy that I have is okay to get loud. Making noise is totally normal during birth and it can really help with your perception of pain. It's totally fine. I don't care. You can scream at me. You can scream at whoever. You can make your horse lips as loud as you possibly want. You can mm, grunt. It's fine. It is okay. Just let it out. All right, moving on. Now we're going to be talking about creating a birth plan that favors your goal of having a natural birth. All right, so here are some things to include on your birth plan. And again, if you want to print out a template that's really, really easy to use, I'm going to go over these, but these are all things that are on our birth plan template that we have, you can just go to mommylabornurse.com slash birth plan. It's just one word and just grab it. It's totally free. So number one, use of pain medications. Okay. Just, you know, you don't click epidural or you can not click all, you know, medical pain interventions, but it's okay to also say I can consider, you know, narcotics or, and, or nitrous oxide. Now that COVID is starting to knock on wood, not be as much of a thing or allowing nitrous oxide use in the hospitals again. Another good thing to include on your birth plan is what language you want your team to use surrounding medical pain relief options. That's a really, really important one. And this is one that I always talk to my patients about when they say that they don't want epidurals because some people don't even want me to say the word epidural or don't even want me to say anything. And then other people are like, yeah, you know what? You can suggest it if I get to that point and we can talk about it. But, you know, that still kind of gives me the control of saying, no, I don't really want it. So it's good to kind of put on there if you want to be reminded of your options or you just don't want any mention of it at all. Either is fine. Other things to put on there, what pain relief strategies do you want to try? Do you want to try birth ball? Do you want to try hydrotherapy? What are your preferences involving induction? It's important to, you know, discuss your provider's policy, your risk factors, how long you'd like to wait before induction is possibly discussed if you go past due. I would also consider opting for limited cervical checks. That's something that I recommend to people, especially if they don't want epidurals because they're just not so fun and especially not so fun if you don't have an epidural. It's also important to ask about the food and drink policy. A lot of providers nowadays are saying, hey, totally fine, especially if you don't want an epidural, you can eat and drink, you know, as you can stomach it. But it's just as important to bring this up and put it on your birth plan and say, hey, is it still okay that I'm drinking and eating? Or like, how do you feel about this? Intermittent versus continuous fetal monitoring. That's something that a lot of people don't realize that intermittent monitoring is a thing, but you can totally do intermittent monitoring if you don't have an epidural. If you are being induced, you can't because we do have to see baby's heart rate at all times when you're on Pitocin. But if you are 
you know, just laboring on your own. You don't have an epidural. You didn't get any pain medicine recently. Yeah, we can slap that monitor on you for 20 minutes and take it right off. And then finally, be sure to include preferences in the event of an implant C-section. It's always better to prepare so that you aren't taken off guard. I know I've done a podcast episode on this as well about gentle C-sections, but there's a lot of things that you can put on there that are interventions that can kind of make your C-section feel more like birth and less like surgery. So go back in the podcast and just search for gentle C-section and that podcast episode will come up. I went into detail about all of this in that episode. Now let's talk about reading and listening to other natural birth stories. This is a biggie. And I've had quite a few podcast episodes of people talking about natural birth, birthing without an epidural, but it's so, so important to listen to these stories, engulf yourself. Nothing will get you more pumped up and committed to your own natural birth than listening to other people talk about their natural births. And in fact, if you enroll in one of our birth classes, one of the big perks and one of the things that I feel like I should talk about more, but I forget to, is that you get access to our private Facebook group and people are not only posting questions and stuff, but people post their birth stories and you can just search birth story because we tag them all in the Facebook group and you can just go and read through. I mean, there's tons of them on there. So yeah, definitely check out Birth It Up, the natural series. If you liked this episode and you want to learn more, you're like, Okay, I hear you, Liesl, but I actually do want to give birth without an epidural. Can you really, really help me with more than a 30-minute podcast episode? Yes, ma'am, I can. (laughs) So yeah, definitely check it out. It's over on mommylabornurse.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.